0: save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an ac pro recharge kit today be a pro with ac pro this A's cast download is brought to you by link Soul. go to linksoul.com and by nest bedding love where you sleep go to nestbedding.com
1: this is As cast live your comprehensive look at the oakland athletics
2: and the pitch
3: is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that?
1: And 29 other MLB clubs.
3: Ramirez with
0: a drive to deep right, away back, Go Go Hayes gets a bomb out there by the rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a Judging Blast. All rise, here comes
2: the
1: judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors, to spin rates, to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on Ace Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend.
0: Welcome to the Tuesday edition of Ace Cast Live on the field before the athletics. As they are warming up all behind us. Take on the Seattle Mariners here on a Tuesday night. As, boy, did the Mariners not only get a win yesterday, but they got a gift. They got Houston and Texas, both bullpens, to implode last night. And they gained some serious ground as we are running out of time the MLB season. We have so much going on today and so much to talk about. We've got three of the guys on the mound who are up for the NL Cy Young Award. That is gonna be interesting. Shay Lang Aliers is gonna be here, the catcher for your athletics, as we're gonna play a little trivia with him. Name the other Oakland A's catchers to hit twenty homers in a season. I don't know if he's gonna know the answers. We will find out. You said he's gonna be here at four.
3: That's what I was told. They said like right after BP started.
0: It's four oh two. Yeah, well. Time is flexible. How are you, Commander? I'm good. good. Uh, All right. How Uh, are you? I mean. Nobody cares. Uh, Earlier today in the dugout in the Mariners' side, we got a chance to hook up with Steven Vogt. Obviously, Steven Vogt is a huge fan favorite of all Green and Gold fans and just a wonderful guy. And what's cool about this interview with Steven Vogt, is the last last couple of interviews that I did with him, there really was kind of that pressure of making sure that when I did the interview, it matched the magnitude of the moment. Does that make sense? Not, Not Reggie Jackson, the magnitude of me in the Yankees clubhouse in the 70s. But the magnitude of the moment of the career winding down, the emotion of the family, the friends, the the kids being able to experience it, the fans. And then, of course, his last game here was like a uh, – it was like a Disney movie, for God's sakes. This was nice to be able to sit down and just say, hey, how's everything going, Stephen Boat? It was yeah. nice just to see voter and there weren't going to be – because remember, man, he had tears last time he was – Right last time Stephen Vogt was sitting here, he, he, he cried.
3: Yeah. That was last yeah, last game last year. And then now we, bring, we talked to him earlier this year, but we didn't get a chance to see him because there was a fluky rain delay. And then we did it from the press box. And then Voter called in over the phone. Remember, that's the first time Emo's ever been in the press box. <laughs> it was a weird yes. day.
0: <laughs> that is correct. And then Eno Saris, our national baseball columnist, will join us coming up here at 5 o'clock. There is a certain word that we're going to talk about that's being floated out in baseball. That it's now everywhere, especially after Hein Bloom is fired as the CBO, uh, the head of baseball operations for the Boston Red Sox. Another scathing article about AJ Preller and the Padres, and we'll talk about feel. But more importantly, I'm not talking about these other teams. Shay Aliers is with us. And uh, how are you? It's been a while. Yeah, uh, doing good, doing good. Right now, things look like they're going real well for you. How are you feeling right now, just not from the catching standpoint, but offensively, how you feel in the box?
2: Yeah, um, you know, I've been feeling pretty good lately. Um, You know, just honestly, just trying to keep it simple, um, get good pitches to hit, put good swings on them, and, uh, you know, just consistently be on time.
0: Ever Ever since we met you, I know you're always team and talk about other people. But what did it mean to you? There's certain numbers that matter in our game. 20 home runs matters. What did that mean?
2: Yeah, um, obviously it was pretty cool. Um, I can't remember who I was talking to the other day, but they said the last catcher to hit 20 homers for the for the A's was Ramon Hernandez. So. Do
0: you know the other two? Uh,
2: I do not. I just know <laughs> that uh, Ramon, they said Ramon was the last one to do it, and obviously I've been working with Ramon every day, so that's yeah. pretty cool.
0: So Terry Steinbach did it back in the days when, okay. when the A's were uh, – Won the World Series in 1989. He was an All Star, and then the great Gene Tennis, okay. who won three World Series titles. We just put him into the uh, A's Hall of Fame. That's the group you're joining. <laughs> so you got Tennis, won three World Series. Steinbach was an All Star MVP, won a World Series, and of course Ramon, with a great career. Yeah, that that that's pretty heady company you join.
2: Yeah, to uh, to be listed alongside those names is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and we've talked a lot about. How tough this season has been for you? Kind of unfair. I mean, so many different pitchers. Because you need to know everything about these guys. You need to know what makes them comfortable. You need to know what makes them tick. You need to know what they're good at when the pressure's on, right? You need to, and that's a lot of it. From starters to relievers. What what's this season been like? Because you also got to know the other team too. Yeah, a lot of studying. What's it been like? So many different pitchers
2: yeah um obviously it's a lot there's a lot of information in the game today so um you know just trying to take all that in and you know continually continuously get better every day and like you said it's you know a lot of a lot of pitchers a lot of new faces um just getting to know those guys and you know just keep building um baseball is a really tough game but um you know the more we work together the better we're going to get
0: what do you think you have truly gotten better at from where you were last year spring training start of the season to where you are now at the end of your first full season,
2: I think um, obviously uh, offensively, it's always going to fluctuate. There's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. But I think um, this year really, you know, kind of adjusted to the league as the league's adjusting to me, and kind of starting to figure that out and be more consistent. Um, defensively, I think uh, the, the biggest thing this year was, you know, game calling and managing and pitching staff and learning how to operate through that through, you know, like the the tense situations. The the high leverage situations and in, in, uh, towards the end of the game, and just kind of navigating that.
0: Now throwing guys out, you've been second to none in baseball. We knew going into the season, right? The new rules, we're going to challenge you, right? We're going to challenge all the catchers, pitchers, how fast they can get to home plate. You've thrown out a ton of guys. Have you loved bringing this part of the game back?
2: Um, yeah, it's always it's kind of a mentality for me, um, you know, almost like wanting guys to try and run, uh, just because I know if I if I do my job, put a good throw or make a good throw, we got a good chance of getting out. Um, and you know that's saving, saving bullets for the pitchers. It's um, getting us more outs and getting us closer to the end of the game.
0: Let's talk about some guys that you catch. What's it like catching Mason Miller?
2: Yeah, uh, obviously it's electric. Um, fastball's up to 103. Uh, he's you know his secondary stuff's getting better and better. And um, he's just he's one of the, he's got the mentality. He knows what he wants to do out there. He doesn't second guess anything, and he, he's out there to attack.
0: So what is it like? Because we know. Anything 90 plus gets on hitters pretty fast, right? But we're now talking 102, 103. So for a hitter, I don't know how they time it. For a catcher, how fast does like 102 get on you?
2: Yeah, you know, um, you know, you, you, when we catch as much as we do, it's it's nothing crazy. Uh, I will say, uh, when you when you start getting north of like um, 97, 98, it's when. Uh, the mislocations start to, uh, that's when the ball, it's harder to make the balls look good because the ball's coming in so fast. So, um, But, I mean, for, for Mason, that's not really an issue. It's, it's honestly a lot of fun to catch when he's running those numbers up there.
0: How about this big 6'7", Joe Boyle guy?
2: <laughs> yeah, another guy, electric stuff, uh, fastball was awesome. The, the command of the secondary stuff was really good the other day. Um, you know, really, really excited to keep working with him.
0: You know, J.P. Sears, we've talked a lot with him ever since he's come over from the Yankees. We've always kind of liked his mentality. It's from the Citadel. He's kind of yeah. got that regimented military kind of background. Uh, I'm so happy for him to get 30 starts, to go through that entire season, to struggle really in August and come on strong here in September. I know it wasn't the outing you wanted yesterday, but just, just how proud are you of him? I mean, we don't see a lot of guys get 30 starts in a season.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's amazing. He's... Uh... You know he's he's durable he's gonna go every five days you hand him the ball he's gonna go out there he's gonna give you everything he's got um you know he, he's another guy he's got the mentality he's not scared he's out there he knows what he wants to do he's attacking the strike zone and, and he's giving you everything he's got every five days
0: and to watch trevor may go through what he went through early just talk about what as a veteran and inspiration what he's meant to you guys because the catchers people need to know the catchers and the pitchers you're you're, you're in your groups
2: yeah Um, you know, Trevor, Trevor was a huge part and, you know, my, my learning curve as a catcher, um, from the beginning of the season, he'd come up, he'd grab me, he'd talk to me about, um, you know, scouting reports or, you know, when to, when to make a mound visit, stuff like that. And just kind of being more attentive to that kind of stuff. And, you know, now in games, it's kind of like, I'm looking for the spot. Like, when do I need to make a visit? When do I need to make a visit? When do I need to go out there? Um, when do I need to go talk to my guy? How do I talk to him? Stuff like that. And Trevor's played a huge part.
0: All right, a little bit later here on the show, we talked to Stephen Vogt earlier today. And Vogt are talking about going from catching, and he, he was like kind of a coach last year, but now going full-time. It's a really interesting conversation we have with him at 4.30. But when you think of Stephen Vogt, what did he do for you and your the early part now of your career?
2: Uh, I mean... Yeah, just getting a little, getting to know him when we were over in Atlanta together and then coming over here and getting to play with him, um, huge mentor for me. Uh, I mean, he's just obviously an amazing baseball player, even better person, um, how he handles himself, uh, you know, day in, day out. It's just like he's kind of the model of what you aspire to become. And, um, you know, I've looked up to him ever since I met him, and, and whenever he talks, I'm, I'm all ears.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think about I was a pitcher, infielder, And I try and tell everybody there's one major difference about a catcher. You're the only position that everybody's looking at you and you're looking at everybody else. People don't really think about that. It's kind of like why we look at catchers as the quarterback of the team, the quarterback of the defense. You call the defenses. You call the pitches. Just talk about and just kind of give everybody an idea out there. What is that like when the game, everything's looking at you?
2: Yeah, um, you know it's the the only position on the field other than the, other than the pitcher that's involved in every pitch. Um, uh, you know you're just you're thinking through every outcome, um, what's what's going to happen, what could happen, all that all that types of stuff. Um, the way the defense is uh, playing against a certain hitter can you know change how you try to pitch the guy. Um, it's you know there's like I said there's a lot of information in this game. Um, it's kind of cycling that in and out. Uh, take what you need and then kind of not disregard, but, like, kind of uh, look past what you don't need. And, um, like I say, yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of a, a, a cool thought to have. I, haven't, I hadn't really thought about it like that, that everybody's looking at me and I'm looking at everybody else. But, yeah, I'm the only position on the field that kind of sees what everything else is happening. Uh,
0: tonight, I want you to think about it. Are you are you starting tonight? Yeah. I want you to get out there and I want you to go, you know what, early on Ace Cast Live I was asked, and I want you to look out and go, Everybody's looking at me. <laughs> all the fans are looking at me. All the players are looking at me. It's the only position. Yeah, I want you to think about that tonight. <laughs> all right, and I then will. you know what? Point up to us and go. You know what? I didn't yeah. think you know, <laughs> yeah. it is. A, I used to talk to Ray Fossey about this all the time. Um, the off season. I think what's so huge, and we'll end on this, is playing a full year. Now you're going to know what that's like. Mm. What do you think this off off season? Yeah, obviously you got to train your body and everything. But what do you think the off-season will be like mentally, of how you need to get ready physically, maybe even more importantly mentally? Now you know what it's like to play a full season.
2: Yeah, I think going into this off-season, is just more awareness, like what you're talking about. I just um, know what to expect coming in, coming into the year. Know know what to expect coming into spring training. Um, know what it takes to handle a pitching staff, call games, um, and while doing that, also perform offensively. So. Um, kind of getting that full year experience. It's like it's just uh, a stepping stone to keep building on and build momentum into next year.
0: Well, you do need to, you do need to disconnect. Get a nice. You got a trip planned. You got any. You got any plans.
2: I think yeah. I think me and my wife are going to go to Europe this offseason season uh, nice. for ten days or so and go see London, uh, Rome, Paris. So it should be fun.
0: Enjoy because before you know it, bang, rubber bite back <laughs> at it, and it's spring training. Yeah. Well, it's been fun to watch you grow. I talk about it all the time on this show and the post-game show with the callers that we're building pillars right now. you got to get the pillars before you build the house. You're definitely one of the pillars. Appreciate and look it. forward to watching you grow and helping us get back to the postseason like where the Mariners are right now. Yep. Shay Langlierz of your Oakland Athletics right here on A's Cast Live.
3: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to say for it?
0: This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. you got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better, all thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts, anything you need for summer. They have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com.
1: That's linksoul.com. A's Cast Live continues from Ricky Henderson Field. Here's Chris Townsend.
0: Well, the big news going on today in Major League Baseball, well, there's a lot of news, actually. But Shohei Otani did have surgery on his elbow. And it's a surgery. I'm not an orthopedic surgeon. Dr. Elitraj did the procedure. He does everybody's procedure. It's not your standard Tommy John surgery. Not going to pitch next year. He's resting right now. The plan is for for him to pitch in 2025. And the procedure that they did, kind of reading about it a little bit. I mean, I'm not going to get too much into it, but uh, they added some tissue to some areas, and that hopefully that will uh, alleviate some pain and strengthen whatever they need to strengthen. And this this new thing, like a bridge that they put in there. Uh, But he's going to be ready to go to hit. That's what they keep telling everybody. We're ready to hit. And, of course, that's what they're going to say because they want – the big contract. So that is pretty big news. Shohei Otani under the knife. And now it makes the whole departure from the Angels makes you understand. like Because just knowing Japanese players and how much respect they have for everybody, that I just couldn't buy. You know, having covered Hideki Matsui, you know, having Fuji here, uh, Shintaro Fujinami, I couldn't buy that Otani just flipped the bird to the Angels, cleaned out his his locker, and said, I'm out of here. I just couldn't buy that. That's not how the – that's not their culture. That's not how these guys act. So, obviously, he cleaned it out for a reason. He was going to get a procedure done right away. So, we'll see how that has played. I. Do we want to go with – Feel or the awards? Because we have Stephen vote in eight minutes. Well, it's taped so we can. Which one do you want to go? The word feel is getting thrown around now in Major League Baseball like you wouldn't believe. But our buddy Jim Bowden put out the early. The most elusive man
3: in media.
0: <laughs> and I have a question based off who he picks. Because to me, in life and in sports, there's things you don't like, but there's things you have to accept. I have something that I can't stand, but I can't change it. It's not changing, and I gotta live with it. In sports, and it pertains to the guy he has winning one of the MVPs.
3: Oh, do, do you want me to answer? Give you the. Well, that annoy you know me what, or...
0: I'm going to – we'll go with this now because we'll, we'll have Eno at 5. We can get into it with Eno uh, about feel. Feel is being brought up with the whole thing about Boston. Folks, we've talked about – and it's perfect timing because the Padres were just here. We got to talk to Melvin on and off the air. Kevin Acey of the San Diego Union-Tribune, a scathing article about the Padres' clubhouse. And then now today – it comes, at, uh, comes out, multiple writers, including Ken Rosenthal, a huge, I mean, it's like a book, article in The Athletic today about the Padres, and I can just tell you the title, The Padres' Disastrous Season Reveals Shaky Foundation and Institutional Frame. Don't want to failure. tell you. Failure. I don't want to tell you. I called it down at the winter meetings in San Diego, but I did. I told you, it's going to be a train wreck. It's going to be an absolute. And then Bob told us what he told us in spring, train wreck. But we'll get to that. The word feel is getting thrown out in baseball a lot now. But Jim Bowden did his early awards, National League MVP. He had Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, Yeah. can't. I mean, it's either going to be him or Mookie. It's hard to believe that. Matt Olson and Freddie Freeman can have the years they're having, and they've got no shot. I, I put it on no here. No
3: shot. Freddie, Freddie Freeman, first player in Major League Baseball history, 25 homers, 55-plus doubles, and 20 steals in the same season. He's looking to be the first player since 1936 to have 60 doubles in a season, and he can finish no higher than the third in the MVP voting.
0: On a first-place team. <laughs> yeah. He's on a first-place team, and he's got these incredible numbers. He's got no shot. So in the American League, Cy Young, uh, pretty much chalk. He's got Garrett Cole. National League, Cy Young, that's kind of my problem. But uh, he likes Blake Snell. They're all going tonight, except Justin Steele. Snell's going, Gallon's going, Spencer Strider's going, but he's going to go with uh, Blake Snell. So Snell and Otani are going to be what I'm going to get out. I just want to get to you what what he thinks is going to happen. Gunnar Henderson with the Orioles will be Rookie of the Year in the American League. Corbin Carroll will be rookie of the year in the National League. I like those. Kodai Senga, I don't like the Japanese players who have been professionals for playing at a high level. Before, we we didn't think they were playing at there. Oh, it's like Triple A baseball. No, it's not. And so the fact that Ichiro could come over and win MVP and Rookie of the Year was a joke. These guys shouldn't be looked at rookies. And you got Josh Hader for the Trevor Hoffman Award. That's the National League. Reliever of the Year, Mariano Rivera, goes to Felix Bautista of the Orioles.
3: Who's currently hurt.
0: He's got the UCL UCL issue, right? It's UCL. Yeah, yeah. And then Comeback Players of the Year, I think he nails this. Cody Bellinger. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a no-brainer. Tyler Glass now. Speaking of can't give you innings and go deep in games, and he's soft. But Tyler Glass now. First time ever 17 starts, and he's 30 years old.
3: How many innings do he have? It's like 109 and two-thirds.
0: It's unbelievable. But it's it's the American League MVP and the National League Cy Young, if it is Snell, that leads me to the question, and if we took calls on this show, what is it in sports that you can't stand, you hate, but you have to accept? You have to accept. It's not going to change. You don't like it, but you have to accept it. And that is Shohei Otani winning the MVP for me. Because right now, we have been so bullied in our sport about numbers and data that the MVP is somebody, whether it's fair or not. By the way, life's not fair and awards are not fair. They were never meant to be fair. No one ever says when you vote for the MVP, make sure you're fair. I believe the MVP should go to somebody that's doing something in games that matter. Not not, not the stat accumulator, because the other sports don't do that. Back in the day, I think the Clippers are the greatest example. Back when they played in the L.A. Sports Arena, right next to USC at the Coliseum. You probably don't remember that, but... I always
3: remember them at Staples. They, yeah, they, that's in what they used to.
0: They were the worst. It's like a guy going out... Averaging 38, leading in rebounds, and winning the MVP, being in last place on the Clippers, everybody would go, why? No one would vote for that guy. He's just a stat accumulator on a bad team. But in baseball, we want to make everything so individual. Look at individual numbers and look at this season, pitcher, hitter, unicorn. I get it. That's why, well, from an offensive standpoint, that's why we created the Hank Aaron Award. Shohei Ohtani's playing in meaningless games. I love the way he's a competitor. I love all that. But he's playing in games that don't matter. We've got guys playing in games that matter. And not like there's really someone. I mean, Corey Seager, to me, would be the one guy knocking on his door. But Seager, there are certain categories Seager's played in less games and has better numbers than him. Yeah,
3: who's the other guy he had on there? It was Ohtani, Seager. I forget who the third one was.
0: Uh, Kyle Tucker. Tucker, yeah. Is had a phenomenal year, by the way? When you've had guys like Jordan Alvarez gone, he's been he's been hurt. Michael Brantley's been hurt all season long. Altuve's been hurt.
3: Bregman wasn't good until recently. The last he, couple he months,
0: ca- he helped carry the Astros. He's I mean, gonna that makes a, sense.
3: He'll be a 30-30 guy too, I believe.
0: So, but I guess we have to accept in this world that a guy coming up like Eno Saris is going to tell us the only thing that matters for a pitcher is strikeouts. I mean, that's 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 where we've gone. We've gone to so much just about individual stats, but yet when teams don't win, like we just saw with the Padres and the Mets, everybody goes, oh, my God, what happened to the culture in the team? Well, you built the team based, based off individual stats. You had no worry about culture. We'll get into all of that. My thing that I hate and have to accept that, like, Shohei Otani will be the MVP on a team that's horrible, it's kickers in the NFL and in football in general. Oh wow. I just to this day I'd be on the sideline with the Raiders and I'm watching the craziest biggest strongest human beings kill each other in these games to have a guy come out with no all he has is pants on, he has no pads. He's got tiny little shoulder pads, got another he doesn't have the thigh pads and he got no pads hasn't hit anybody, just this little guy's going to go out and and decide the game after these warriors have been out on that field killing their bodies and physically harming themselves because they will. Nobody gets out of the NFL if you play for long enough. No one gets out unscathed. You will have these issues for the rest of your life. You're going to do all of that to have a field goal kicker (laughs) decide games? It is wrong, and I will never like it. But I have to accept it. But kick it, field goal, there should be no field goals. You should always have to be, go for it after a touchdown. I may allow you a punter because, I mean, going for it in your own territory and fourth down all game long would be – I don't know what that would really do to the game.
3: Well, you can have – if you have a quarterback like Josh Allen is have him throw the ball, the ball 70 yards on the field wherever the ball lands That's where you get the ball. Of, if you I go don't to know if I want to go
0: that. <laughs> I'm just saying having kick – having soccer players – Soccer players decide NFL football games at the end of games when there's so much on the line. I I hate it. And kickers are
3: like relief pitchers in baseball. I mean, we go through them so often. But
0: relief pitchers are actual pitchers.
3: Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying like just the how many guys we cycle through with kickers. I feel like
0: kickers aren't football players. Like the guys on the team don't even respect them. Okay, fair. They I mean, know I was never run an NFL team. I'm telling so. you right now, they don't respect him. Now, for guy's like Adam Vinatieri, you got to respect him because he's an absolute weapon. But the majority of the time, these kickers, these well, players do not respect these guys.
3: That's what I was getting with kickers. Like, if you don't have a Justin Tucker or Harrison Butker from the Chiefs, like, they just cycle through these guys like crazy. And that's why. I- have you
0: ever heard of a kicker calling a team meeting?
3: Yeah, I don't think Justin Tucker's doing that with the Ravens. He's really good, but I don't know. <laughs> you could have how many kickers in a season? I mean, realistically, you can have a different kicker every week. So what do you got? <laughs> um, mine ties into life and sports. I can't absolutely – I can't fathom that my wife is an Angels fan, but I have to accept it.
0: Well, you have been divorced once, so you could <laughs> divorce her. <laughs> and yeah, you. I don't know if I want you that on have my record. An o- you have an option.
3: I, I, bro- I wrote down several. There's never going to be a good enough college football playoff system.
0: There's no, there's not, there's no way we can ever appease you.
3: With call, I mean, unless you have, I think they're one on four, and they're talking about twelve. I'm okay with twelve, figuring that out. I mean, you're not okay
0: with ten.
3: Well, either I, I think moving. Ten. I
0: mean, I think moving on I mean, from four is. What once we're getting out of the top ten? Uh, well, I mean, if I give you twelve, I mean, if you're not in the top twelve, should you even be? Problem is, you got this. This team's a two-two loss team. This team's a two-loss team. Well, I mean, yeah, it gets. Uh, you got a lot of teams.
3: robo is one, and then obviously I have to, I have to accept accepted in my whoa, life.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Robo-Omps, it's coming.
3: Well, they're not here yet. The so, ABS uh, system. And then the other one I have to personally accept because it's never going to happen in my lifetime. I'm going to be 35 in uh, less than two months. That my beloved Pittsburgh Pirates will never win a World Series. Think about it. There's been Cubs fans who won their entire lifetime, and they never saw them win.
0: Red Sox fans. Yeah. so entire lifetime. White Sox. Yeah, so there's things in sports. I just – and the other is going to be Blake Snell. If Blake Snell wins the National League, uh, the National League Cy Young, he didn't even average six innings a start.
3: He won't – he's at – I think we said – we did the math. He's at 160 – was it one – It's was like 167 or something like that. Even if he goes 12 innings his next three starts, he's still going to come very close to 200 innings.
0: Do you realize how pathetic that is? that the guy that's taking home the award for the best pitcher didn't even average six innings? I mean, is that seeking in with everybody? When I've talked about five and dive, and everybody accepts it and everybody's cool with it, that here we are, that the guy that we're going to say is the best pitcher in the National League doesn't even pitch six innings? can't even get to 200 innings? That's why I say, what are we going to do in 20 years when we're talking about trying to get a guy into the Hall of Fame? It's it's going to be crazy. I feel like, you know,
3: now I feel like a little bit, I was a little ahead of my time with my proclamation last year that no one got 200 innings. I think we're getting close to that where we won't have a guy go. We have one guy right now, and then I think um, uh, Garrett Cole will get there, and I think uh, Gallon will get there. But, like, there's not going to be I – think, I think we'll have less than we had last year do it. So I think we could move towards an era where we don't have a guy go 200 innings, where there used to be guys that go 300 innings.
0: Oh, yeah. Dave Stewart was like it, it was 250, 275.
3: Yeah, but now the days of 200 is, is very questionable. So those are my, those are my things. Um, I think that's one thing you have to accept, too, that we're gonna, the way that we evaluate pitchers is going gonna, is gonna to continually change. The 300 win is never coming back. 300 win pitcher is never coming back unless Verlander sneaks in somehow. Because I don't think after that, I don't think anyone's going to come close. Now, the strikeout ones are going to go up because that's all the game cares about is 300, you know, getting to 300 strikeouts in a season, which I don't think Spencer Strider will get there, but he might set the Braves' all-time single-season record. It's held by John Smoltz. But I think we'll see more guys to join the 3,000 strikeouts. No I don't think anyone's getting, No one's catching Nolan Ryan in his 5,714.
0: 5, well, thanks, Captain Obvious, on <laughs> that one. I don't think anyone's going to get to 4,000. No one's going to get to any yeah. marks, Cody. Yeah. Well, you, 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 you guys all fell in love with these bullpens, and I am going to throw you out there. You, 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 you fell in love with this bullpen. Oh, bullpens are great. And now you're not, not, are you happy? Do you like the bullpen game? Is this something that the San Francisco – think about this one for a second. The San Francisco Giants right now, great article by Tom Verducci, Sports Illustrated – and I, I get we we'll probably will save it for uh, Thursday and not make it so personal with the Giants, but just kind of what's going on with them that they average, was it, 72 pitches a game?
3: Per their starters, yeah.
0: Okay, I just want everybody to realize this. High school baseball is seven innings. All right? Things haven't changed. High school baseball is still seven innings.
3: See, I've been out of high school for almost uh, 17 years, but, yeah, that seems all
0: right. Basically, all stud high school pitchers, you pitch all seven innings. Correct, yeah. Right? Well, if there's seven innings and I don't strike everybody out in three pitches, I have to be throwing ten or more pitches in the game. Correct. Well, seven times ten is what? Seventy. So you're telling me high school pitchers who are pitching more than ten Pitches per inning are throwing more pitches than the San Francisco Giants. High school pitchers.
3: Correct, yes. 72, but here. what's High the, school pitchers okay, are pitching more than we'll, the Giants. We'll do Francisco the small tease. I'll just tell you what Tom Verducci has. Giants starters throw an average of 72 pitches per game, the shortest leash in Major League Baseball.
0: Now, so, they're counting openers, and they've used the openers so many times. I am. Yeah.
3: They have thrown three innings or less 43 times. 13 more than any other team. It's the most such abbreviated starts in baseball history other than the 2018-2019 Rays, who had 71 of 53, who popularized the opener concept.
0: Well, we we talked to Dallas Braden, and that might have been off the air after we did the interview where we talked about how when we were down in San Jose for the Stockton Port san Jose Giants, the San Jose Giants kid threw three innings and he was done. And you're like... What, what? How are you getting better as a professional pitcher when you pitch three innings once every six days? And you wonder, like, there's something about training the human body to play. You've got to play. A lot of people brought that up with Aaron Rodgers, and a lot of people bring that up with injuries early in the season, going, well, when you don't play preseason games and you don't see live bullets and you don't have game action, your body, you know, so constantly saving, 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 and then saying, Go get them. You need to train your body how to play whatever sport it is, right? If you were like scared to put a guy on the ice in hockey and then you said, oh, it's game time, get on the ice, and he goes, what? I mean, he's going to get hurt. He's going to blow a hammy. He's going to do something, right? I mean, it doesn't matter what sport it is. And the way a lot of people, it's like you'd be like telling you, you don't go get, you don't hit golf balls and you don't prepare your body to, and all of a sudden you, hey, go out and play eight hours and 36 holes. Tell me how your back's going to feel. You've got to train your body how to how to be able to withstand and be ready and get the certain muscles. You know they always talk about those are muscles you never use. Well, if you're not playing all the time, you're not using those muscles. You're not training your body to compete. And I'm just like, we got guys who don't even who throw less than high school pitchers and we think that's protecting them? Yeah, the
3: one I brought up earlier was it's kind of the reverse it's the reverse of it, not kind of it is. The Giants were babying Kyle Harrison, their number one pitching prospect, all season. He was only throwing three innings, and then they bring him up, and he's throwing five, six innings, and he hasn't done that all year. I think his longest start in the minor leagues in AAA Sacramento was like five innings. And he hasn't done it. He only did it like a couple times all year, and then the Giants had him go multiple starts over five innings on the big club.
0: And now he's back
3: in AAA again.
0: It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So those are mine, things that I go, you know what? I have to accept it because it's going to happen. But the fact that we are just concerned, like, add up the numbers, go to Baseball Reference, that's your MVP, and there's no context. Tani's amazing, but he's doing it in a bunch of games that don't matter.
3: And he's already won an MVP on a bad team, and then Trout's done it too on a bad team.
0: They're winning in games that don't matter. Yeah. And the guys that they're winning against, are, the guys that they're beating are playing in games that do matter. They're playing in games where there is pressure. They're playing in games that guys have to perform for their teams to get into the postseason versus what What did the Asians do. The Asians came out here. Everybody got their work in. They're going to go in and eat and get ready for a game. They win or lose, there's nothing on it. There's no juice. There should be for the young guys, right, because you're bad. But you understand what I'm saying. They don't have the pressure of we lose. I mean, look at the pressure right now going on with – what's happening with the bullpens in texas and houston they both coughed it up texas bullpen right now has blown 31 out of 58 saves there's they're taking on water right now texas is because of their their bullpen has been miserable for now a certain amount of time and i got these numbers i'm not gonna go to it because we got to get to Stephen vote but texas bullpen has been horrific
3: yeah, and we and what was the thing we we heard more than anything is Boach knows how to manage a bullpen better than anyone, and his guys are getting oh, the job done.
0: Wow, are are you you going after future Hall of Famer Thank you. Bruce Boachy? Do you got to qualify by saying he's a future wow. Hall of Famer? Wow, do 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 you really have the street cred to go after Boach? I,
3: no, but I can't say that me I can't say that you jinxed it by saying he was going to run away with AL here because they were already falling apart before you said that.
0: Wow, <laughs> now it's my fault.
3: <laughs> I saw uh, I don't blame you completely.
0: I mean, maybe Bruce Bochy doesn't look as great without Trevor Hoffman or Brian Wilson, Sergio Romo,
3: Santiago Casilla, Yario <laughs> Garcia,
0: as I like to call him. Uh,
3: well, no, remember that the, the Rangers bullpen started falling apart when um, <clears throat> what guy did they go out and acquire? I'm just you know correlation maybe. Remember when they got a uh, Chapman and they're like, oh look, they got another guy in their bullpen, and their bullpen has been um, terrible since he's been there.
0: <laughs> Probably you're getting Chapman in 2023. <laughs> You're not getting. Chapman You're not getting Yankees Chapman or Cubs Sh- Chapman. Stratton came over with Montgomery. Yeah, and he's, he's. By the way, Montgomery, Jordan Montgomery, yesterday was brilliant for him. I think it was seven innings, one run. It's on my fantasy team. The, uh, that guy's
3: I'll, been. That guy has been great ever since he left New York.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Yankees. All of a sudden, he goes to St. Louis. Just throw strikes, get people out. Is that okay? Yeah,
3: yeah, the Yankees were probably using. Uh, they wanted to know what his uh, X FIP was, and they're worrying about his analytics.
0: But it, it's – God, the numbers – I had the numbers going today. It is crazy how bad the Rangers' bullpen has been. Let me get it to you here. Texas currently owns the tie brick. da da da, da, da. How about this for Texas? Texas, since the start of August, they've had a streak of eight straight wins, six straight wins, and a, and a losing streak of eight. And right now, currently on a four-game losing streak – Their bullpen, this is a team that's talking about winning the division. Their bullpen has a 10.67 ERA in their four-game losing streak. Texas has been the worst team in Major League Baseball at converting save opportunities this season. 27 of 58, that's a 46.6%, you like to round up, we'll call it 47% uh, conversion rate. Their 31 blown saves are tied for the most in MLB with? With can you get this smart guy? Thirty-one balloon saves. Thirty-one. Can you get it? How smart are you? Everybody, everybody listening and watching this knows this answer. It's not us, is it? No. <laughs> okay. We I mean, were. It bad. could have been. I I, I was going to
3: say. Well, I'm looking. I know the worst bullpen in baseball is Colorado. <laughs> uh,
0: it's the Rockies. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, since August 13th, the Rangers are. Ready? This is playoff baseball. You're fighting for your playoff live. Since August thirteenth, the Rangers are three for sixteen oh in converting God. save opportunities. Three for sixteen. That's uh that that's... sounds like the Raiders secondary. Oh, I just had some Raider fans look up. No, Nate, no offense. It's just a reality. <laughs> Gotta be a, it's a Russian cover league. You can't get to the quarterback. But as John Gruden said one time, hey man, it's tough to get a pass rusher. Uh, Coach, you just traded Khalil Mack. Um, three for sixteen in terms of converting. I'm assuming options.
3: that's Will Smith. That's Chapman. Whoever. I mean, whoever else they want to throw out there to close games for him. Unbelievable. You want to take one more shot with the shot By of the th- way,
0: do you smell fire? I see some smoke. Like,
3: yeah, I see something. Yeah,
0: and it's hazy. Yeah, something's going to
3: Looks by. Like look back there by the flags.
0: Yeah. All right. All right. Wait. Let's get a steamboat. Boat. Yeah. All righty. Earlier today, we had a chance to sit down with one of our all-time favorites, two-time All-Star, and what a great A. He's now a coach for the Seattle Mariners, Stephen Vogt. Obviously, you know who's sitting next to my left here. He is somebody that means so much to this organization. Stephen Vogt now with the Seattle Mariners. Just, you know, last time, last couple times we talked in person, I felt like I was Barbara Walters and we were having these super emotional, like you had tears. All of a sudden I started choking up because it was very emotional. It's now nice just to have a regular conversation. How are you?
4: I'm doing great. Obviously, it's uh, it's good to see you. Good to be back in Oakland. Uh, every time I come back here, it's just, it's home. It feels like home. So I'm doing great. It's been a great season. Uh, great first year coaching. Um, really enjoying it. Really uh really learning a lot and, and having a blast doing it. So,
0: Well, you think about the transition in careers, going from a player to a coach. And, and I think about your career as somebody who cared so much and you prepared not only for yourself, but you prepared for the pitching staff. And you were you're very courteous and you cared a lot about your, your teammates. What's it like now as a coach? So you've got to care about yeah. everybody. Yeah, it's, it, it's honestly
4: not all that different from the last couple of years I was playing. You know, when you're a backup catcher, Your job is yes to be ready to play when it's your your day to play, but it's also your your job is to make sure that all the pitchers are getting what they need, your teammates are getting what you need, the starting catcher is getting what he needs. Like you really are kind of a especially as an older backup catcher, a little bit of a player coach. No doubt. So a lot of what the things I've been doing or what I'm doing now, it's just I don't have to hit anymore. (laughs) Thank goodness, Uh, you know. So for me, it's um, it's been a very smooth transition, and Scott Service and the rest of the staff has really done a great job of helping me. Uh, learn very quickly.
0: What is the biggest difference going from playing to coaching? There's got to be something that's dramatically different. You have zero control over the
4: outcome of the game as a coach. You can prepare, you can help them uh, have all the information they need, give them all the tools that you or resources you have to be able to enable them to go do the best of their ability that night. But at the end of the day, you can't do it. When you're a player, yeah. You can't always, you're not always the one hitting, but when it is your turn, it's within your control to go get the job done. And so as a coach, you literally have no control over the outcome of the game, other than in equipping every player with all of the information and, and advice that you can. And you're still living and dying yeah. with all these <laughs> losses
0: and wins and everything. Yeah. Absolutely. It's crazy. Yeah, You know, when, when you look at going forward for you, what have you learned where you go, man, I didn't realize the manager does this. Cause you were so much involved and like you said, it's almost like you were like a player manager at the time, but what what have you learned from coaching, looking at the manager? I don't know, you're now the quality control yeah. coach. Like, what have you learned that you didn't know? The biggest thing that I, is
4: how many people are working behind the scenes to give the 26 guys on the roster, everything they need, right? Um, You always know that there's a lot of people that are working for you, but the amount of conversations, the amount of meetings, the amount of time that's put into each individual guy and the plan that the staff, the trainers, the strength coach, the, the analytics team, how many people and how many hours of the day go into each individual to get them to be at their best. I had no clue (laughs) how many people were working for me to be at my best and how many people I don't think all of us know. I don't think
0: the media knows. I don't think the fans know. No,
4: it it really is. There are so many people working behind the scenes to get the best for and out of every player, and that's something that I was punched in the face with at spring training with uh, all the meetings and how many people were in the room. It was uh, really cool to see how many people care about each individual guy. How much do you think about that last game? (laughs) Uh, I'd be lying if I said not multiple times a week. I mean, obviously coming back, I haven't taken my eyes off the Budweiser Terrace out there when the ball hit. So um, it was such a magical day. Um, Again, I, you know, I still keep in touch with a lot of people over on the Oakland side and um, just how much the organization celebrated my family and me. And um, that last day will forever be something that I remember, you know, I remember when Kotz told me they were going to do it. And I said, you guys don't have to do that. That's fine. He goes, no, we're going to. And um, something I would have never asked for, obviously, but um, just felt so honored to have my teammates and all my family and and the organization do that. You
0: literally couldn't write a better script. (laughs) It was almost like a Disney movie to an end of somebody's career. And we actually talked about this yesterday with Dallas Braden right here on Ace Cast Live about your very last day. You're still down there blocking balls you're still doing that whole thing you didn't have to do that how much do you think that rubs off on showing the next generation that you know what to the very end to the very last day you give it everything you got
4: yeah i mean i hope it rubs off a lot right uh that's the way i was raised through the game is every day you come out here whether it's the last day of spring training the last day of the season the first day of the season you never know which rep it's going to click you never know which swing it's going to click you never know any of that You have to put in your work every single day because that's part of your job, one. But two, it's just the right way to go about your business. This game's too hard, Um, you know, and and the skill goes away if you don't work on it. And that was one of the things that I really prided myself on was making sure I did my job every single day, no matter what it
0: was. Well, it was so great just being a part of so much of your career. I don't know if you remember this, but I walked down that hallway with you after you got back from the All-Star game we did an interview after that and then of course you left you come back and those interviews that we did those final days and seeing your children and knowing that they'll remember this and you'll have it for the rest of your life just thank you for allowing (laughs) us here all these years to be a part of your journey because i think no matter what i know we got these hall of famers up here but everybody's gonna remember you as truly one of the great oakland a's well it really means
4: a lot and i know. Um, for me it, it was never never about accolades it was never about things it was competing every day and giving a hundred percent of me to my teammates to the organization and to everybody and my wife Alyssa and I you know we speak so fondly of Oakland it will always be home we'll always part of us will always be in Oakland A no matter where I go to work um, and it's because of you guys telling the stories and and getting those out um, I think just there's there's friends and there's people that will be a part of our life forever because of our time here in Oakland, and we, we're super thankful for
0: it. The great Stephen Vogt right here on A's Cast Live.
5: Hey, it's Eno Saris, your friendly neighborhood baseball scribe. There are two things I love: baseball and beer. When I'm not busy around the ballpark, you're likely catching me back with a cold one at any of Fieldwork Brewing's eight locations sprinkled across the Bay Area. Fieldwork's got a rotating lineup of over 20 beers on tap. That's as diverse as any 26-man roster. They got everything from super juicy hazy IPAs to crisp pilsners and tropical sours that make your taste buds do the wave. Whether you're all about that draft life or prefer to grab some cans to go, Fieldwork's got your bases covered. Check them out at fieldworkbrewing.com to learn more. That's fieldworkbrewing.com.
0: This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. The new summer colors and prints are in stock. The new polos, lightweight, all the colors you want. Fabulous. We got our new order.
3: My wife is so happy that I'm dressing so much better. All thanks to Link Soul.
0: You name it, whether it's polos, whether it's shorts, anything for your summer needs, you need to revamp your wardrobe. You go to LinkSoul.com and they got great summer deals. Go to LinkSoul.com. That's
1: LinkSoul.com. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Are you going to play the man theme music here? The Eno Sarah Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com.
0: Fresh off Oktoberfest, the Commander and Eno were hanging out. That's How right. was it?
1: It was great. The beer
5: was great. Big party? Yeah, we did, we had some German music and...
3: Yeah, it was, it was actually cool. It was it was a cool experience to be a part of that. I mean, uh, there was a lot of a good amount of people that were there too. I was surprised. I mean, we got there a little later in the day because it started, I think, around noon or so, and we got there at like four or four thirty.
0: Did you overstay your welcome like you normally do?
3: Uh, well, my friends usually overstay their welcome, and I was globbed in with them. So, <laughs> I mean, it got so bad we took Uber home from San Mateo, not Caltrain. Yeah. So. Oh, wow.
5: <laughs> <laughs> and I ended up in the doghouse somehow. I was only there for like an hour and a half. And you had two beers, house. and you're yeah. in the doghouse? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's life. Was it really two? Yeah, it really was. You only had two. Yes, you but it, it, took a, it took an hour and a half because the conversation was so good. Yeah, we, we, I can confirm. But then
0: again, like – If I, on Twitter, you see all the stuff from Oktoberfest?
5: No, it wasn't one of those things either, no.
0: Yeah, because if you had two of those, I could see that
5: could take a while. It was a regular, regular ass beer. All right.
0: That's why I used to tell my wife, it's only two. Yeah. like, yeah, right. You should
3: have told your wife, well, I got a free glass, too, out of this. <laughs> and that, that did not,
5: that did, I did not mention the glass.
0: Honey, here's a free glass from October.
5: <laughs> she already has, like, the whole one shelf with all, the cra- with all the, like, beer glasses on it with the different logos on it. Every once in a while, she's like, can you clean that out? Can we have
0: half of those gone? You're like,
5: no. (laughs) Those are my glasses. These are my thing.
0: When my French come over. Okay. You know how they say you come to the ballpark and you see or hear something you've never seen or heard before? Mm. Right? They talk about that? Yeah. I want everybody to look at Eno Serres is now an underwear model. <laughs> Something I never, ever, ever thought I would hear or see. If you're listening, go Google it, Look <laughs> at images. This is your new Jim Palmer of Major League Baseball well, you'll, right you'll, here.
5: You'll have, you'll have to wait for it to come out. It'll be, it'll be fun.
0: What the hell are you doing, the baseball nerd, doing in underwear?
5: They, They, they literally said they wanted a zany baseball nerd. Uh, uh, to be kind of a Steve Cornacki type. So that's what I was. And who'd you do it with? Ivan Rodriguez, who is just a classy human being. A really funny, uh, one funny moment, too, is we were, handi- we're sitting there between takes, and uh, he just squats down. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yes, really. This is how I am. <laughs> and I said, everywhere? And he goes, yeah, in the mall, and the- on the golf course, wherever. This is how I am. And he just likes to squat in this. how he relaxes? Squat. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, I guess your knees are okay then.
0: <laughs> how many years did he play? Yeah. Twenty two or something like that.
5: Yeah, he's in good shape. He's in good shape. Hall of Famer. Yeah.
0: So you and a Hall of Famer in your underwear together
5: in Miami. And I and also between takes, I was like, I was like, okay, all right, who was the nastiest? Okay, Nolan. It, you caught Verlander too, and you faced Smoltz. Were they like Nolan? So I was like, I was asking him all the pitcher stuff. So
0: for all of us, how hard was Nolan throwing at the end? It, 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 it for because uh, I remember as a real little kid. I guess I would have been that, like, like, what were what were the early years? Look it up, Cody. When Nolan came from the Angels over to the Astros, because I remember old Jack Murphy Stadium.
5: I know Yvonne debuted in, like, 91,
0: 92. No, no, this is 80s. This is early 80s. His
5: first year in Houston would have
3: been the great year of 1980. Yeah,
0: so this is early 80s. I'm, like, 10, 9, 10 years old. And my dad would take us to see Nolan Ryan. Because Nolan Ryan, you're like. And so, Nolan Ryan. And then when I was a high school pitcher, he and Tom House Came out with that whole throwing program. I bought the VHS tape. You're damn right I did. It's yeah. so Nolan Ryan. I had the whole – I had a, a picture board, and Nolan Ryan had all of his different stuff for for your rotator cuff. I had it all. Nice. And then I end up pitching. I got a pitching lesson from Tom House because, wow. uh, you know, he's a San Diego guy. Yeah. I was home from San Jose State. I got my 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 brother taught his kids golf, so I actually got a pitching les- lesson from the legend Tom House. So when anybody bags on Nolan Ryan, I kind of go, you know what? Eh, I want to flip him the bird. There's no reason to. Bag well, because they'll be like, oh, look how many losses he has Most
5: walks of all time.
0: Yeah, go <laughs> go Most no hitters, most yeah. one hitters, yeah. two hitters. He was a freak. Of nature, his elbow held out till he was forty-six.
5: Yeah, yeah, he's amazing. I was, I was just trying to get modern comps out of Yvonne. Like, who, who was he like? Like, who, who was he like? Is it Verlander? Is it Smoltz? Well,
0: I'll tell you one of the main differences. Fastball
5: slider, righty.
0: About, well, Nolan had the big hook. Uh huh. Had the ch- he developed the change later on, but he was a short for a big man. He was a short armor. Mm. Kind of like a foot. That's why he and Tom House and him always talk about throwing the football. You throw the football, it's more of a short armor. You you don't throw a football like this. You throw a football like this. So,
5: so it's a short arm path in the back, too. Yes, Just he get was up not.
0: Nolan didn't take it all the way uh, back. But Nolan was a short arm. So that's generally how it's harder is to see. healthier. That's generally how yeah, is healthier it's healthier, too. Because I was a quarterback. I kind of threw yeah. that way, too. But 6'4", drop and drive, coming down the mound, and a short armor it would just be the ball, be like boom, and it would be on you. Yeah, yeah. Where do you hold Nolan Ryan all time? Number one. Over everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other there's some other
5: guys you could put at number one, but I I don't even have a concept of what they were like as pitchers. Like, I'm I gonna say Cy Young or something. No. Like he had the most. Like, what did Cy Young have the most wins or something? He's got the
0: greatest license plate. It's in the uh, Baseball <laughs> Hall of Fame. It's C. It's C Y, and then five eleven in between it. Is that how many? T- how many? How many wins he had? Oh yeah, yeah 511, five hundred eleven. But it was CY, so he's rolling. I don't know what kind of car he had back in those days, yeah. but he was Cy Young was rolling around in style. So you yeah. got Nolan number one all time. I think so. Wow.
5: <sighs> Who else is up there?
0: I think Maddox has got to be up there. I think Clemens has got to be up there. I wish
5: Pedro had had like a longer ending. Pedro on talent deserves to be. Pedro in that on talent, no question yeah. about
0: it. I mean, lefties that didn't throw hard, but Warren Spawn was incredible. Mm-hmm. Sandy Koufax. I tend mean, to, I tend to I tend to,
5: like, I tend to go closer to people I saw just because, you know, I have no concept of.
0: Well, don't Sandy worry, Koufax. Blake Snell's not even going to average six innings this year, and he's going <laughs> to win the side. That's that right. bothers me. All right with me. That bothers me. <laughs> that bothers me. I did a whole thing on things that bother me that I can't control, like field goal kickers. I, I don't want my football game being decided by a soccer player. I don't want it, that's, but I but I can't control that.
5: that. I mean, that that's not something new either.
0: That's awful. I also <laughs> think it's awful that a guy on a crap team can win an MVP. That bugs me. Psh, bugs you, me. You are a troll. I am. <laughs> you, you can have the Hank Aaron ward. Your stats, they don't mean anything in bad <laughs> g- I want guys who play in some games that matter. All right, all right. Like, that's why I think our National League race is – can you imagine Freddie Freeman's having a historic year, and he at best – and Matt Olsen's having a historic year. Is it like year. one of
5: the first 2020 seasons by a first baseman or something? like?
0: He's, he's, got, he's got 60 doubles. Guys haven't done that since the the
5: 30s. And you know when people talk about like, oh, you know, it's it's so great. He hits like 330 and stuff. It's even better than you think because like league wide batting average is at, at the very bottom that it's almost ever been. You yeah, know? it's telling. Totally, so it's 330 it's, over 240. It's as like opposed Pedro to ZRA
0: in the steroids. In 94, yeah. In,
5: yeah, 97, yeah.
0: Uh, so you got Matt Olson, who's hit the most home runs in a single season of Braves history. Yeah, great defender. Freddie Freeman, great defender. and neither guy can sniff the top two.
5: Yeah, although Freeman's close, a little bit closer. His D he is a little bit better than Olson's, I think.
0: But I'm just saying from the voting standpoint. Yeah, it's going to be. It's, it's going to be Mookie Buki or,
5: or Acuna. Yeah.
0: Have you? We're you getting closer. Have you weighed weighed in? I haven't. A I haven't more? looked.
5: At, I haven't looked again. I haven't looked again. What would
0: you look at? What What are you going to say? Kind of like back in the day when you had. Uh, Cabrera wins a triple crown, but Trout obviously had better analytics. Like, how are you going to – both these guys, what's different is both these guys do amazing things. I bet's the fact that he's coming and played infield. I mean, both – but both of them are doing amazing things on amazing teams.
5: Well, you know, I, I really want to look at, uh, at, at the whole package and defense and everything, but there, there is one thing. Defensive numbers are not as good as offensive numbers. We don't – they're not as uh, – Precise. We don't know them as well. There's a little bit more guesswork in them. Okay, take
0: the numbers out. Do you give Mookie credit just that he's coming in to fill a void? That's what MVPs do, right? Mm. You're helping out. I mean, because I know Dave Roberts is not going to win probably the NL Manager of the Year, but But no one.
5: You're talking about like when he's playing short and second and stuff. Yeah, like he
0: comes in fills a void. You need to. That's what winning games do on a daily basis. I mean, let's face it: the Dodgers have had more players and more days on the IL than any other team you're filling the void this may not be the best thing but hey I'm 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 sacking up for the team
5: yeah so I mean just to just to define my process I I would start I I don't have an MVP vote this year so I can sort of let you in on the process I would start with war uh, just because I like that that puts in base running and defense and everything but I don't Treat it as precise. So there's nobody who's going to win it because they have 0.1 war more than the next guy. <laughs> you know, like that's it's not the war award, and there are elements in that in war that are less precise than others. Like I said about defense.
0: So it's like telling your wife I had two beers, but maybe I had three. You're no, not going to let no. that be the big difference. It's only like
5: two, it's like three. A decimal point. What's the difference? Uh, but so once I group, so I, what I'll do is use war wow. to group them. So rookies
0: right, actually. Mookie, right now, according to baseball records, should be the
5: winner. But this is what we're talking about. It's eight versus seven point six. Yeah. I call that you're both eight. All right. So you're both eight, and all the right. next two guys are both seven. That's enough of a gap where I'm going to be like, okay, I have my two finalists. They're Acuna and Betts. Then yeah. I can throw a war out. Okay. And then I just look at Acuna versus Betts, and I think you can you can look at some soft stuff. You can look at who's on a winning team at that point because you got the you got a tie. Yeah, that's how I would treat it is a it tie. And then you can look at, OK, well, they're both on winning teams. So that's not the tiebreaker this time. Right. Then I will look at offense over defense. I will, because I think that the numbers that we have are better for offense. So if I'm looking at something like OPS and and one of them has a better OPS than the other and they're both in decent, similar parks, then I'm going to take the guy with the better OPS because I believe his offensive contributions better. So there's, there can be all sorts of different tiebreakers, but I would basically say you've got a tie at the top between Acuna and Betts, and you've got a tie for the next group between Olsen and Freeman.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, because they're so close in so many different things. I mean, the stolen bases clearly are going to go to Acuna, but, I mean, you're going to look at... RBIs, you're gonna look at double. But if you look at something like base
5: running value, it's closer between Betts and Acuna. Because Betts takes the extra base. He doesn't steal as many in volume, but he doesn't get caught and like yeah. you know, it's not like if you look at Betts and Acuna, you're not like, Well, one's like a plotting D H type and one's a you know swifty center fielder. No. Yeah. Betts is you know, Betts gives you value with his feet too. Now you can give feet overall to Acuna, but like what about power? The power goes way in Betts' favor. I mean, we're talking about something like—aren't well, we talking about an eight-homer difference or something? So, how do they break it up
0: for you guys to vote? They don't really say anything. They just send you an email. You got—they don't even whatever. define
5: like value or anything. It's just no, no, like no, you no. got the vote. What?
0: What? What? Who, what category who gets, you have?
5: Who? Who determines that? It's locally determined by the Baseball Writers Association chapter. So chapter
0: why? What? Why do you know what you have?
5: Yeah, I have AL Cy Young.
0: So why did you get that, and not get AL Young? My question is like, how how do they decide who gets what? I think they just try to rotate it around. Okay.
5: I think there's I think there's some maybe some internal politics sometimes. You know, depends on who's the chapter head. You know, it's boring answer really. So
0: does everybody in the Bay Area vote? It'd be who has interesting vote if you have have you
5: did it by by sort of like expertise. If I, I if I always got a Cy Young vote, I do tend to get Cy Young votes, so maybe that's the thinking. But. So
0: does everybody in our region do an AL Cy Young?
5: uh no no there's one person per chapter uh, per vote
0: okay so, so i have the the bay area
5: and al Cy young vote who's
0: like who has mvps uh
5: yeah there's some seniority yeah okay. like so like i think probably like john shea and, and susan slessor get the mvp votes you know you
0: get rookie of the year
5: i you know what i had to do my time you know what doing your time is rookie of the year no comeback player of the no. year no manager <laughs> cuz nobody knows how to vote on it you know you get awful. the go- you
0: get the gold glove and triple a I didn't even realize there is that. No, so there somebody is. we had, or somebody who sounds like, he yeah, he won the gold glove, the gold glove of AAA. I, somebody. Oh, don't get who me started on
5: defensive statistics in AAA. I, I don't
3: remember that, but I, since you mentioned manager of the year, and we were kind of talking about it earlier. It was
0: the kid who came up uh, for the Rangers, their super prospect against us. Oh,
3: um, Evan Carter?
0: Yeah, he got some type of AAA gold glove award.
3: <laughs> we were talking about this earlier. Um, how late in the season do they determine manager of the year? like Because like, uh, Jim has um, David Ross as manager the year in the end. What if the Cubs Rossi. make the,
5: What if they don't make the playoffs? It's that's it's really important. It's the day uh, the season ends. Okay. You have to so vote now we know. the day the season that's ends.
0: That's not why he's asking. No, 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 I'm no, no, no. I'm going to tell you why also, he's asking. Uh, it's, it's also important
5: because of what happens in the playoffs. People no, think no. they'll be like, how did that guy win MVP? He just dis- disappeared in the playoffs. Or, like, how did that manager win manager of the year? They lost in the first round. You have to vote before that
0: he's asking because he is a we we he's now a Mariners homer but he's always been a Kevin Cash hack right like i'd interview Kevin Cash at the winter meetings cuz of him so i got to bring on this rays hack he loves Kevin Cash and i said bochi's winning it stop with your cash stuff that may not be the case, but Ooh, then. Ooh,
5: actually, it's going to be close this year because Brandon, Brandon Hyde. Hyde. <laughs> Brandon Hyde
0: from Santa Rosa, friend of the program, been on multiple oh, times. Yeah. Huh. He's a Bay Area guy. Whenever he comes, he's got a bunch of people there. Brandon Hyde will be your winner now.
5: Yeah, I think he might be, yeah. Yeah. They're, they look like they're gonna win the division. It's a young crew. I mean I, I just don't know how I don't know how to approach it. Every year that I try I tried to use some numbers but they're using numbers for that award is awful. I think you might as well just be like a team that overachieved although they could have overachieved because they have a bunch of young rookies that are really good. Is that necessarily all high? <laughs> It's tough. I, 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 I'm. A, I'm. am It's the players' guy. And, and you don't
0: want it if a guy's already won multiple times. You know, should we give it to him again? Right.
5: Right. Right. You know,
0: Bob Melvin would get it because, hey, the A's were supposed to be bad. Now they're good. Well, vote for Bob Melvin.
5: Yeah. Right. Exactly. Except that we did this with the A's for so long. Like, that's why he won it like three times. This is always like a, oh, they're good again. Bob Melvin wins. All right. Not saying. The Bob Melvin is a bad uh, three times. I think he's a very three, good one. Three, one nationally, good one.
0: two American League. I think he's three times. He's
5: a good, very good manager.
0: Well, uh, go and read the uh, article about in the Athletic who he works for about the Padres and the disaster that is the Padres. That one source says the relationship between A.J. Preller, who runs the Padres, and Bob Melvin is not fixable, and I might tend to agree, but.
5: Well, there's you know there's one thing that we reported in the piece that we did about the Padres collapse a couple of years ago, uh, that I think is really important here is that, um, you know, AJ Preller what I what we were doing in our reporting was he would uh, call minor league pitching coaches and tell them what to do with Mackenzie Gore, and in spring training he would come out and say, you know, Manny Machado, you should do this fielding drill which you can put the dots together about, like, how quickly as a field manager you would get annoyed with someone from the front office coming down and starting to take over your spring training or your pregame or whatever it is. And that's that's a lot of – there's more reporting on that, but that's that's where I see, you know, micromanaging can become a, a real flaw that it makes it tough for everybody to do their, their work.
0: I think one thing for Bay Area people that – I'll give you another scenario which will – kind of help you understand a little bit more is that A.J. Priller has a lot of Al Davis in him. Al Davis, who is different, obviously, and he's a pro football Hall of Famer, he's one of the greats of all time, was an actual football coach, then an owner, so he could actually say coach things. But later on, Al Davis, the owner, would go around his head coach. The players knew that Al was making the decision. So not only the head coach or your position coach could say one thing, but Al's saying something else to you, and it doesn't work. Who am I going to listen to? Yeah, it, <laughs> it doesn't work. If Al's coming around the corner any time,
5: I'm going to keep my ear open for what he's about to say.
0: And it sounds a lot like what, what A.J. is yeah. doing. But the one thing that I want to – the word feel. So when we talk about Bloom, Preller, guys that are going to get fired – There was an interesting segment on MLB Now. Joel Sherman of the New York Post talked about, listen, we understand. Data, vital. We all know it's important in sports. But maybe, just maybe, some people have gone so far in one direction, they've lost feel dealing with people. And we're talking about communicating with people. And, I mean, part of big part of this business is communicating with people and how you handle the humans. Somebody's got to handle the human beings, right? As you say, Preller's communication all over the board causes chaos and dysfunction throughout the organization. But just the feel of how to build a team, how to run a team, who runs it, who talks to the team. I mean, there's, there seems to be some organizations have lost feel. Would yeah. you agree with that?
5: I, I hesitate to give this uh, this this train of thought too much oxygen because there are still teams that are not running their team their teams ideally even through data and stuff. So there's a lot of still low hanging fruit, especially in player development in terms of making database How decisions. How is that possible? Because there are teams that are that far backwards. There are teams, the White Sox. There, there's there's like I think there's like five to ten teams that are like 10 years behind other teams we had yesterday
0: we had i I got the name of the cameras but we had all these edgertronics we had all these cameras out here yesterday we had our own pitching lab yes but do you have it at
5: every level all the way down to low a you know it's like you know what i'm talking about i'm talking about there's still systematic things that teams could be doing to be better that are involved with that are there any teams that that that
0: are doing anything
5: that that aren't yes there are wow. teams. There are teams where the players have told me they don't think the the actual cameras are attached to anything. Um. So so I just want to point out that the, <laughs> we can't be so data saturated and kind of like our camera. This isn't going anywhere either. <laughs> we're just, it's talking just we're just looking thing. at each other.
0: I. But
5: but so I hesitate. But I also think that. There was a a first round of, um, you know, so I I really love Driveline. I I respect them 100%, but, you know, that sort of ethos came through where they're going to be governed by data, make their decisions by data. And so not every person who knows all the data is a good coach. So there has been a, a, a series of sort of waves within the industry of people who come in who know their stuff but don't have the feel. And so there's that's that's something i i okay. think of and then the last thing is roster that construction that makes sense because
0: coaches are teachers yeah right and just cuz you have like I could have all the knowledge in the world, right? I could have, I could have, like this is all this knowledge that I have, right? Uh-huh. But it doesn't mean I can sit in front of thirty kids and teach them how to do it. Yeah, thirty. Yeah, and it, yeah. In minor
5: league organizations, you're sometimes trying to teach it to the all, all of them, 150, yeah. 200 of them. So like there, there's school, that right? And then, and then even on one on one, you could be like, look at all the things I know. Look at all the things I know, as opposed to being like, hey, you tell me about what you need. You know, have feel like. You like let's develop a relationship. That first.
0: sounds like what you've explained to us is the Rays.
5: They they to to some extent uh, they are hands off in player development. They are not like trying to change everybody. They are letting people be. And if you actually look at a lot of the guys who come up, there there are differences. One thing they do preach is hit the ball hard, and yeah, you know, I can get with that. So anyway, the last thing is that I think of is roster construction, and so roster construction is hard to study because. Small samples. Like, what are you saying is success? Some people say success has to be winning a World Series, you know, and other people success is winning regular season games. If you think immediately, some alarm bells should be going off. There are teams that win in the regular season consistently and don't win in the postseason. We've we're, we're sitting here and one with he famously said, "My poop doesn't work in the in the postseason." So like, you know, so roster. But construction, only
0: one team wins a World Series. Right? I, that's only how one I feel. team wins a Super Bowl. I, that's how NBA I fight. The well, Dodgers
5: are a, a mini dynasty right now. Well, this they is, have one. They only have one win, but they they have they have like the most wins in baseball over the last five ten years.
0: I, this is a great example. Of these two articles, right? In this article about the Giants, they talk about how they're boring and how they use their entire roster and they're super boring. And then in this article, nope, this article about the Padres. They talk about in this article how they didn't use the entire roster and didn't build a roster, and it's not till lately Melvin has used the entire roster. Yeah. So, Sports Illustrated Giants are boring, and they use their entire roster too much, dude. And then you got this: they don't Padres and the Athletic don't use it enough. If, if you could just
5: smoosh those together, dude, they would have a they would. Win the World Series. Uh, if
0: I smushed Athletic and Sports Illustrated together, uh, it'd be a two-hour read. <laughs> I think you guys are paid by the no, word. No, I'm talking about the Padres. Oh like I, think, I, think one of the I get it. I get it. I don't need 18 pages.
5: I think <laughs> That's who we are. You know what I want to uh, call Hey, give me the cliff notes. <laughs> if you don't know what cliff notes
0: are, look it up. Axios. So, uh, you,
5: you know, uh, but for real, I think that part of what the Giants are doing right now is out of necessity. You know, they're like, this is the best way we can win given what we have. We tried to get Korea, We tried to get Judge. You know, it would be great if we'd gotten these guys and we put them on top of this. And I don't think you'd be writing about, you know, how boring they are if Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge was in their outfield and they were winning all these games but they had a star too, you know what I mean? And they wanted to do that. So you, I think they're just how do we win games every day and this is how we do it. But uh, beyond that. I don't
0: have a problem with that because I, I, to me – And Dave Stewart explained this to me, and I'm not going to mention the players I was not happy with. Uh But he goes, you got to remember, it's a season average. Mm -hmm. It's the average. I get that. But you have 162 games, but every one of these games is different. Yeah. Right? Each one is different. How you win baseball games can be different day after day after day after day. Sometimes you win with home runs. Sometimes you win on just putting the ball in play. Mm -hmm. But winning each individual game, obviously, Captain Obvious, the more I do that, I'm in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So it's about winning these games. So I actually do respect the fact that the Giants say, I'm just doing what I can, day in and day out, to win. And that's
5: that's what, when I watch Giants games. I'm like, they'll do whatever it takes. If this guy comes out after one, or this guy goes three, or whatever it is, so like they'll they'll take a star out. I mean, they don't really have stars, but they'll take the starter out in the second inning of at a position. You know, they'll. they'll it
0: can be over. It can be a little exhausting. too much.
5: It's exhausting. To, when just I to saw watch. them bring
0: <laughs> somebody out to face Tony Kemp, and was it the third inning? I'm like, you you got a scoreless game. Guys throwing great. And you got two outs. And instead of letting that guy get Tony Kemp, you're going to bring in a relief what you worry he's going to go deep? Yeah, right, exactly, yeah. Tony yeah. Kemp hadn't had a hit in weeks, and yeah. you're bringing somebody in in the third inning to pitch to Tony Kemp?
5: But the, the the very last thing that I'm thinking about is, I think about the Royals having that core. They won. I think about these uh, uh, these Orioles and how they've come up. They've got this core. Uh, I think about you know how the Rays win. know interesting, not to
0: interrupt you, but you know what's interesting about the Orioles' core is a lot of it is from the last regime yeah, that they've yeah, kept they've, they've yeah. kept
5: them though and this is the thing that's missing in San Diego too is that like there's n- the only homegrown guys right now are Luis least and I-, I think a reliever so there's not this like uh, I-, I think there's this like oh we're all stars in here so nobody knows who's the leader is there's a, there's a quote in there it's like yeah. it- there's four leaders so nobody knows who the leader is you know and, and and so you've got this kind of you've got this mercenary group kind of that's put together, and it you ha, you you want your team to have an identity. That's why I've joked about you know the 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 T-shirts in spring training and all that stuff. It's like you know you're trying to create an identity for your team. The easiest way to do that is to have people come up. We're about to watch the Mariners team, and their entire pitching staff has come up through their organization. Julio Rodriguez came up through their organization. What is the other joke that people make about that about their team and their their their, their GM is that they always trade everybody, right? Trader Trader Depoto, right? Yeah. Trader Jerry. So somehow Jerry Depoto trades all the time and is a crazy trader, but he's created a thing where it's still a core of homegrown players, and that's. What I'm talking about because I interviewed Corbin Carroll and he said, you know, he's a young guy. He's not very outspoken, but he's a leader on that Arizona Diamondbacks team because he says I'm going to take the young guys out for dinner when we're on the road. I'm going to, you know, I, I have people staying at my house in spring training. I, you know, I care. I talk hitting with Christian Robinson in in, in the in the complex league. It's like a guy in, in high A. You know, like I will talk hitting with anybody. I will I will help you and support you. I care about you outside the field. We will go have dinner together, you know, and he says to me, he said camaraderie and all that stuff matters outside of what we do for a living on the field. And so you, it's a lot easier to have camaraderie when you don't all have four hundred million dollars and wives and kids and, 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 and that, that are separate. Like if you came up together, yeah, you can start having wives and kids and you'll they'll know each other. Because you came up through the minors together. You married that – oh, I was
0: there when you met her, you know? The A's of the 60s, they all came from Kansas City to here Uh as young kids and started their families while they were here.
5: Yeah, so – I, I think there's something to you know we talk about having kids on your team and not trading and why people care about prospects and a lot of times we talk about it from a cynical standpoint which is just they're cheaper and so you need to have this cheaper labor and I get it that's part of it but I think another part of it is what we're talking here about this feel for roster construction where you just want to have you know you know maybe the first baby bombers didn't work out for the Yankees but what do they do when they're trying to transition to the next group is bring up all their rookies and for the final month you all play together you all came up together and if you guys succeed it'll be together so there's something about like sort of creating a core and having this group that that has each other's back outside of the game has, has been through a lot together
0: and let's face it the Dodgers have been that way for a while because when you think about when like Cody Bellinger and Will Smith and all these guys and even Justin Turner kind of resurrected his, his career, career right yeah. so they and he was really the leader in that so it's like and now the Dodgers this year, They have had more guys on the I.L. than anybody, and they've had more days on the I.L., and they just keep bringing guys up. Somebody said to me, and I wish I remember who said this, that it's important to promote guys from your own system it says something to all the guys down below. A hundred percent.
5: hundred percent. And you have to that. do it in kind of order, too, sometimes. You can't – if you're skipping somebody, you know, it, it has to be a real good reason. And so that's sometimes, you know, it's just an order. You're bringing guys up, you know. It's not always that the, the best one comes up first. Sometimes it's like, well, this guy's done his dues, and he's doing well down there, and it's his turn, you know. So there's, so there's there some politics. So there is something, by it. the way,
0: to having feel.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like, what if you you have some guy with equal numbers, and one guy's like younger, and maybe you gave him more of a signing bonus or whatever, or you just want to pull him up first? Then the other guy's like, well, you know, remember Francisco Lindor? Actually, for a while was uh, kind of stagnating in AAA, and everyone's like, what's wrong with Francisco Lindor? Like, he's not that good. Like, it doesn't look like he's that good. Then he got to the big leagues, and he just started. He went for it, and he people asked him. He said, I was bored. So there's, 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 you want to challenge them, you want to bring them up together, you want to create a core. There's a lot of feel in a lot of these decisions. You do want to hew to the data and tech to help you make good decisions over and over again, but you have to have a feel for the politics.
0: And, you know, who knows what's going to I don't know what's going to happen with Preller. We know Boston's making the change. It's a big deal. Just talk about that when you change the – CBO the VP of this or whatever the fancy title guy gets blown out a new guy comes in just talk about how dramatic that is for an organization
5: it's it's really tough to turn we I've talked about turning the tanker it's really tough to turn because it's an organizational inertia all the time but on top of that you can have an org chart that you've put in your head and you and you written it down and I know for a fact from just reporting and, and just my time in the game and just talking to people that whatever the org chart says and what actually happens and who calls who, there's a big disparity between those. And so you as a, a, a as a president of baseball operations or GM might say, oh, we've got a, a great org chart. You report to you. You report to you. This all filters up. I'm going to be up here. It looks great. I love it. All these people have these different expertises. Well, what happens when they overlap, and who who actually gets listened to, and who doesn't, and who has sight lines to who, and who who's overstepping those bounds, and who's calling all the way down to you know the
0: high AJ AJ Preller's coming down, going Manny, you need to take more fungos, <laughs> yeah. and this is how you should do it. And Manny Machado's like, that's that's the that's the well, that's why that's, that's why, why it's so toxic.
5: <laughs> that's why it's so toxic because even without AJ, other teams like maybe yeah. with Haim, like maybe there was. There was, there was too many people, of, a lot of cooks, too many vice presidents, or too many, you know, assistant, you know, a director level. You know, every level, director level, you have to have sidelines to each other. So if you have fifteen directors, that means you got fifteen people who think they're equals. You know, and what are there fifteen different things to do? Are there fifteen things where you can have fifteen directors? I mean, it's too many cooks in the It's definitely kitchen. something that every general manager thinks about and is is a really important part of the game. It's kind of boring. But it's really important.
0: Anything that you are working on?
5: Uh, one fun thing that should come out Friday. Uh, I took my 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 11-year-old Felix. Uh, he's playing baseball. He's got the total bug. He's playing uh, MLB the show, collecting cards, playing little league, and so he gave me four questions to ask all the big leaguers, and uh, so that's coming out. What
0: about Friday. his interview with Blake Snell?
5: Yeah, that's going to be on there. We we uh, inter- we were out here on Sunday on the field and he had uh, he to ask his four questions directly of Blake Snell, so we'll have some video and audio of that. Maybe we'll, we'll, maybe we'll preview, preview that on this Was show. Was one
0: point. of the questions, why are you so soft and you're a five-and-dive guy?
5: <laughs> he loves Blake Snell.
0: He didn't ask him that? No, he didn't ask him that. Check just, just checking. I mean, I would ask him that. I mean, do, do you know high school? I, and
5: I even stuck in some questions. I didn't ask that. I said – you know that he did this, what he did this year? He didn't have his slider for, like, the first two months of the year.
0: Do you know high school pitchers pitch more than you? <laughs> I mean, you pitched seven innings in high school, pitching over 70 pitches, more than what Blake Snell's giving you. It's no wonder you get any players that come on this show. Well, I'm ripping Snell. <laughs> our guys are guys. Shay Langaleer's here <laughs> earlier today. That guy's on
5: fire. He has like nine homers the last month.
0: Uh speaking of fire, there's a fire coming from Oregon. We're feeling it now. Yeah, let's get um, out of this air. Bullpen's on fire right now. <laughs> Texas can't get anybody out. I I never really liked
5: the the Will Smith connection. Uh the stuff isn't really there anymore. And then I didn't mind getting Chapman, but Chapman, the command is really gone. So, you know, you've got one guy who has command and no stuff and another guy who has stuff and no command, and those are your two primaries. So it's, it, it does get hairy there.
0: And they've got seven games left with the Mariners. I think they have like a six
5: ERA on the last month in the bullpen. Oh, it's worse. Yeah. I
0: mean, I just – I had it. It's it's like when you look at the Rangers' bullpen right now, they, they've they blown 31 out of 58 saves. Ugh. It's their converting at a forty-six point six clip. I mean, it's something. Let's see. Oh yeah, how about this? Since August third, Rangers are three for sixteen in converting saves. Worse than I thought. That's awful. Yeah, it's bad.
1: All righty, great stuff. <laughs> You want to play him as— The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. He's the Jim Palmer
0: of baseball right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You need to redo your wardrobe, especially for summer. They got new colors, new styles. Summer is here. The polos, unbelievable. The shorts, you name it, we got our new order. My wife
3: is the happiest one out of all of us because I look better. Thanks to Link Soul.
0: And they've got unbelievable deals right now for the summer. So what are you waiting for? Shirts, polos, shorts, you name it. You
1: go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. A's cast live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. That was fun.
0: Eno's fantastic. Our national baseball columnist from the Athletic. Yeah, how many underwear commercials have you done? I have to think about that. <laughs> I was hoping he was going to say he did the dad bod, no shirt. No, he had a, he had a shirt on. Baseball nerds are now doing underwear commercials with baseball hall of famers. Well remember we've we've you had You can't make this stuff up.
3: Jim Palmer's a friend of the program, so yes, we now he is. we've had the original underwear model. Now we have the most recent one. What don't we do on this program? I
0: tell you what, when I had Jim Palmer on and we were talking about that, it was like when I when I when I was growing up, uh, every single time you we went to the department store, jockey underwear, there were you there Remember that conversation? It was like Jim. When I was a kid, you were everywhere. You went into the department store. You were on the underwear. Big deal. I mean, I, that's king, a, the king of tidy
3: whiteies. <laughs> I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for that to come out next. That, that those are coming back in, in vogue, that type of uh, underwear style. But I don't know. Well, if it does, we'll have to ask Eno since he's the underwear expert now.
0: That's <laughs> a bad enough thing about Eno in these boxers, but Eno and tidy whitey's even worse. But it is a I just lately I have thought and watched and and read and kind of you know, kind of sit back and just go, because it's it's so different from our world. Our world is not about chaos. Yes, the the, the wins, the losses on the field, but our organization and yes, I get the whole thing with Vegas, but from a baseball operations standpoint. From David down, and still Billy Bean, uh, an employee that's kind of a, a, there for David to, and for John Fisher to talk to. Bean's got a great deal. I'm just here to help. Here to help the ball club. I'm just here to help. Here to you help guys the ball need club. me? Pick up the phone. I'm here. I'm here. Um, but we have the same assistant GMs and all the way down, you know, the people in baseball ops. If she's listening, the great Pam Pitts. I mean, we've had people that have been here for their entire career. So we don't have that craziness of everybody's looking around, everybody's worried about their job. Is there too many cooks in the kitchen? No, you know. We have David Forrest on. I asked David the question. He gives you the answer. And there is no, is he telling the truth? Is he really getting up? You know exactly where David stands. I mean, it's something I truly appreciate, and my job is that I can ask David, you hear it, and you see it, whether you're listening or watching AceCast Live, and then we put it back on AceCast, you are getting the truth. He's not BSing you. And as David said, I don't lie because I don't want to get caught in lies. But I just always tell you what's going on. And they have that kind of security, and and they have that kind of strength, and they're, they're, because a lot of these organizations, everybody's looking around. You think like there's Jason behind you with the knife ready to get you in the back. Friday the 13th, Jason. Yeah. Halloween's coming. Um, I, think of, a, I think of Michael Myers. Speaking of David, there he is. I think of Michael Myers, but that's okay. Yeah, there's there, David Force right there. And there's a little wave. But that is, that is, that is the thing that we. So it's odd when you say there's too many cooks in the kitchen. We've got a cook, and we know who the cook is. And we're not. So, it seems weird to me when you think, but I worked in the Raiders organization, so I've seen everything. <laughs> but from a baseball standpoint, because I know I, I have connections into the Red Sox, and that's I told you, Bloom wasn't going to make. Uh, he got a little, he got fired a little earlier than I thought, but I did predict it wasn't going to end well this year. Something he
3: we talked about this pre pre show. So I still think he gets a job in baseball. I don't. He could be a hot dog vendor. He could be working behind the concession. He could be selling t t-shirt. I think he has a job in baseball. I don't know if he's back next year, well, but he'll be back the, Well, baseball.
0: the old hot dog guy's out. There's an opening here. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, true. But what I've been told about the Boston situation, which I don't know if I haven't read it, but just because of what I know, way too many cooks in the kitchen. They got so many guys at so many levels. It just it doesn't work. We don't have that here. We know if we want to get an answer, David Forrest literally is eating ice cream right over there. I can walk over and ask <laughs> David, and I'll get the answer. I don't <laughs> got to go through eight levels of dudes to figure it out, who's, who's. I mean, can you imagine? If we want to have David Fein, Fein, uh, Feinstein on, we just call him. We want Billy Owens? I text. I mean, it's not, it's not complicated. It's normal. I guess the best way to put it, what we have in Oakland from a baseball ops standpoint is, is that we are normal? It's a good way to put it. Yeah, I mean,
3: obviously with David, we just I just shoot him a text.
0: Yeah, I mean, can you imagine if you're dealing with the CBO and the vice presidents, and then you have a general manager? So you've got you got a general manager, and then you got levels above the general manager.
3: In that situation, with the general manager, and I, don't, I mean this funny because of the Astros systematic way that they did it. What, and you have a CBO and a, is that the general manager considered a lower level employee? Ooh, Jeffrey Lou Now,
0: like, what 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 role do you play if you have a president of baseball operations and vice presidents and then a GM? Who's making the decisions? Well, fair. Who's running the show? When you say so and so's hurt, I got to bring this guy up from AAA. Who's signing off on it? How does that? And that's where people talk about. We've got way too many front office people, and that's where baseball, and I know Eno didn't like this, but, you know, we've talked about slimming down the analytics departments.
3: Yeah, that was a couple. Baseball
0: is trying to – baseball is recognized there may be a little bit of a problem. We may have too many front office people, too big of front offices. Enough's enough. This may not be great for the game. You're looking at me. Do we need to go? Yeah, we're getting close on time. All right, I thought it was a good show today. It was. It was a good. Get Shay Langilleers voter,
3: and Stephen vote, an underwear model Eno Saris, the Jim Palmer of our time,
0: Eno Saris.
3: Uh, Thursday, we're back. We're gonna have a uh, talk to Scott Emerson. Emo's gonna be with us when the show starts. Like, ooh, normal. we're
0: talking high tech cameras, uh, biometrics.
3: We're gonna have the guy that runs the Coliseum on the. Keeps the Coliseum the way it looks. The great Claywood.
0: Claywood, yeah. Does he miss the Raiders? Oh, ooh. big game this weekend. I think I know the answer to that one.
3: Big game this weekend for your Raiders. He
0: doesn't miss the Raiders.
3: <laughs> and then uh, we're hoping to get uh, Joey Esses or Joe Boyle and maybe a couple others. That's our, that's our last show on the field for Thursday
0: this season. I'm efforting. I've, I, you know, I'm efforting. I had to I'd effort a little bit, kind of like you're the general manager. Whoa, you're the general manager. I'm kind of the CBO. I kind of had to go around you a little bit to make sure that Shea Langelier showed up today, and I'm kind of doing the same thing about Joe Boyle. Well, hopefully you can ask this because he pitches tomorrow. The day after he pitches? Yeah. They'll find something. The meeting. <laughs> or... But I want Boyle before we get out of here. Oh, for
3: sure. Well, we've we got to find out how to make you guys eye level.
0: Yeah. How do I? How do we work – how do we work it, guy? Because if you're if, if he's six seven sitting down, he's gonna be like. How about a, he
3: sits and you stand?
0: Do we got a box I could stand on? I'm sure, we can find something. He because we saw him down the line today.
3: This ballpark's been here since 1968. I'm sure
0: we can find something. We saw Joe Boyle stand. Like he looks, he looks like a power forward. Yeah. Now you feed him down low, and he's gonna get your rebounds and play defense. Well, hopefully. I want Joe Boyle because I want to be able to establish. A little something before we go into the off season. Well, the way
3: the trend's been going, I think we're going to find out that next year, the final home stand, we're going to get Shea Langoliers again. Because <laughs> remember, last year was Sean Murphy; we got him the last game of the season, and Stephen Vote. This year it was Langoliers today. Last home stand, so next year we can bank on Langoliers and Soderstrom at the end of the year next year.
0: (laughs) All righty, coming up next, A's Total Access brought to you by Chevron, but thank you to Shea Langoliers, thank you to the great Stephen Boat, and thank you to Eno Saris. We'll see everybody on Thursday?
3: Correct, Thursday at 4
5: o'clock.
0: Everybody on Thursday, enjoy A's and Mariners next right here on A's Cast.
5: Hey, it's Eno Saris, your friendly neighborhood baseball scribe. There are two things I love baseball and beer. When I'm not busy around the ballpark, you're likely catching me back with a cold one at any of Fieldwork Brewing's eight locations sprinkled across the Bay Area. Fieldwork's got a rotating lineup of over 20 beers on tap that's as diverse as any 26 man roster. They got everything from super juicy hazy IPAs to crisp Pilsners and tropical sours that make your taste buds do the wave. Whether you're all about that draft life or prefer to grab some cans to go, Fieldwork's got your bases covered. Check them out at FieldworkBrewing.com to learn more. That's FieldworkBrewing.com.